Welcome to the CityGate Church podcast. Today's message was recorded at our live Sunday services, and we hope that it encourages you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. So I'm going to ask you to stand up and give honour where honour is due as we put our hands together and I invite Pastor Andy Elms. Oh, praise God. Stay standing. Lift your hands to heaven. Come on. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Come on. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. We love your presence, Lord. We love your made-known presence. We love it that our lives are filled with your Spirit. Lord, we thank you that these times we're living in are great times. And Father, today we lift our eyes and our hearts to you and we say, have your way. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, you can grab your chairs. And uh, it's a joy to be with you today. And um, just so thankful for all that God's doing. I had a, a, a wonderful time with your pastor last night, just catching up after a long time. And it's just a joy to be back with uh, Pastor Julian and Sharon and just see what God's been doing um, in the time that we've both had our heads down, just uh, pressing into God and certain things. Uh, Exciting days, hey? Um, Listen, we're living in interesting times, aren't we? Really interesting. I don't think anybody needs to be made aware of that. But, you know, we've come out of uh, the COVID cave now. You're out, right? We're out of the COVID cave. Uh, and now we're in these interesting times where, where there's so much going in, on in life. Things that people saw or found stability in are no longer stable. Yeah, I'm so thankful that I have an unchanging Jesus and I'm a part of an unshakable kingdom. Any, anybody else? I'm so glad in days of non-stability that I have an unchanging Jesus. He changeth not. Not. He chases the same yesterday, today, and forever. But also, we're a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen. When you were born again, you were born into a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Listen, people are like, I hear Christians going, I'm, what's going on? I'm so surprised what's going on. Read your Bible. It said, and once again, everything that can be shaken will be shaken to reveal that which can't be shaken, which is his kingdom. <clears throat> now, we need to realize these are, I call these uh, First Chronicles 12.32 days. And it says in First Chronicles 12.32 that there was a group of people called the sons of Issachar. And uh, it says the sons of Issachar that was one of the tribes of Israel. It says they knew the season that they were in, but also <clears throat> what they should do. Come on, that's our moment now. We, we should know the season that we're in, but also know what we should be doing. But this isn't a time to sit back. This isn't a time to relax. Listen, lockdown's over. Just like when Joseph was locked down for 14 years, he knew that it would come to an end. And when it did, he was coming out of that prison cell because God was going to do something. I just think about that moment. You see, Joseph, when he was in prison, he wasn't in the corner crying because he knew he'd not seen what God had promised. Come on. If you've not seen what God has promised, you don't sit in the corner of a prison cell. You walk around looking at the door going, that's going to open. And when that door opens, I'm coming out. I'm coming out. Not like a bat out of hell. That's wrong, isn't it? Like a dove out of heaven, I'll be gone when the morning comes. 
Listen, we're in that moment where lockdown's over. That, wearing COVID slippers. So last season. So last season. This is time to wear Icathus, Icathus, um, Issachar trainers. <coughs> this is time for us to run. Come on, City Gate. This is time to run. This isn't time to sit back. This isn't time to relax. This is time to run. Not just run, but run our best lap yet. Come on, you've got a lot of good laps behind you. But this is going to be your best lap yet. But we've got to make sure, I love it when you read Hebrews 12, when it says there's a great crowd of witnesses that ran their race. It's our turn now. And it says, and look unto Jesus who ran his race. He finished his race. It's our time now. But also Paul teaches that if we're going to run, remember, we've got to pack our COVID slippers away. Put those things in the bin. They're so last season, you shouldn't be wearing those anymore, okay? <clears throat> this is time to have your sneakers on. This is time to have your Issachar sneakers on and a run in your heart. But also, like Paul teaches, not a run that's aimless, the world doesn't need a church running around going, ooh, 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 ooh. a church that's focused and knows what it's in this moment to do. And the sons of Issachar, they knew the season. They knew what God was doing. And they knew their part in what God was doing. <clears throat> so what's this moment? I believe this is an exciting moment. This is a moment to come back to mission. To come back to mission. Come on, let me say that again. This is a moment to come back to mission. Now, I'm a church leader. I oversee a number of churches down the south of England. But my passion actually that came before COVID was the mobilization of the church. That we have a job to do. And it's time to <clears throat> come back to mission. What stops us running aimlessly? When we stop relying on vision instead of mission. See, vision was only ever meant to serve something bigger than itself. But what I think we were all guilty of a little bit was we gave too much credence to vision. And we tried to make mission serve vision. But I really believe in the moment that we've gone through, God has said, no, we're back on mission. And it's not a new mission. <clears throat> it's an old mission. It's amazing, I wrote a book what, 12 years ago, God's Blueprint for the Church. And I'm reading it now like, wow, how prophetic is that? I wrote this thing 12 years ago for today. Because the Blueprint Church was a church that was focused on a number of things. And they got their mission from Jesus Christ. Listen, we're in a moment where we can't play around. We can't have visions that are good but not great. We've got to say, what's our mission and then look to Jesus and say, king of the kingdom of what I'm a part. What's my mission? What's my mission? And I really believe when we start coming back to a mission, we actually find a co-mission. Isn't that awesome? That Jesus isn't saying to us, go and do it. He's saying, come and do it with me. It's a co-mission. Now, we all love co when we benefit. Oh, I was co-crucified with Christ. Yeah, you were. Thank God that his death was my death, his burial was my burial, and his resurrection to newness of life is my resurrection to newness of life. Amen. We all love co-heirship. Oh, I'm an heir to the Father. 
I'm a joint heir to the son. Why do we check out before we get to commission? That Jesus said, you're not just saved, but you're saved for a purpose. You're not just saved, you're saved for a purpose. Number one, you're created for intimacy. But number two, you were created, we're his workmanship, made for good works. You know that word works is the word ergon. <clears throat> and if you study the word on, ergon, it means to do business. To do business. We were created by God. We're his workmanship. Created by God to do business. Let's open that a little bit more. To do God's business. What's God's business? To ruin the devil's business. <clears throat> Listen, whatever the devil's doing outside these doors, the mandate of God upon you is, we're going to shut him down. We're going to shut him down. Unless you want church to be a people storage unit and you're just going to sit there and watch, you're going to miss out. That's so last season. This is time for every person, every believer, every follower to be on the track saying, I'm going to run my best. This is time for every Christian to be out of the bleachers, out of the seeding area, on the track, saying, come on, I'm not going to fight over what lane I'm in. I don't care what you're doing. Just give me something to do. I'm getting the baggage off. I'm getting the sin that ensnares off of my foot. I'm going to run my best. See, you're going to run, Citygate, you're going to run your best lap yet. But that's not good enough for God. He wants every one of you to run your best lap yet. It's our race. It's my race. It's your race. <clears throat> so we understand the commission's really simple. You actually have to invite some theologians in to make it difficult. <laughs> Jesus is still saying to us today in the 21st century what he said to the first church in the first century. Reach for lost. Reach for lost. Get a passion for reaching the lost. Make disciples. Come on. Teach people how to be filled with the Holy Ghost and be led by the Holy Spirit. Full stop. That's our mission. Whatever vision we have should accompany and enforce and empower those three things. We're here to reach for lost. Come on. We're here to reach people that don't yet know Jesus. We're here to make disciples, and we're here to teach people how to live Holy Spirit lives, amen? The thing I love about the Great Commission is it's also a great go mission. It's a go mission. When we read the Great Commission verses, Jesus says that word over and over again, go. We turned it to stay. We have. The modern church has turned go to stay. What is it about go we don't get? Is it the G or the O that's confusing us? Because it's not a big word, is it? The Great Commission is a go mission. I think the biggest challenge facing the 21st century church today is the mobilization of the people we've sat comfortably. I think we made people too comfortably. And we've got to begin to allow the Holy Ghost to get people uncomfortable again. <clears throat> not that they don't love church experience. I'm not saying that. But when they leave church, they remain church. When they leave church, they're still the church. But the church isn't a building. It isn't a meeting. It's a community of people who follow Jesus Christ and respect the king as the king of their life and make the commission their personal commission. 
Now, here's some great verses, Matthew 28, 19, you know these verses. It says, therefore, go, there's that word again, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. This is our marching orders, guys. This isn't the marching orders of the original 12. This is our, he hasn't said stop. I'm just waiting for the Lord to say go. Why? He already did. If he says stop, get worried. <clears throat> Their go is our go too. Oh, well, no, actually, soul winning brother, we're actually called to make disciples. Correct, but you can't make pots without clay. We've got to have converts of heart so God can shape them to be followers. It works together. Our big requirement now is for us to take responsibility for our friends and family and bring them from a world that's shaking, like they sung in the 50s, there's a whole lot of shaking going on, into a kingdom that's safe with an unchanging king that will change their life here and the one to come. But then we look at the other common commissional verses in Mark 16, 15. And again, there's that word again. And he said to them, go, not stay, not sit and watch, not make church something that you do on Sunday morning and then you get on with your real life. Go, get a go in your heart. I'm praying today that the spirit of passivity will be broken off of your life. That no longer will passive. See, passive stops you doing what you know you should do. We break the spirit of passivity off of the body of Christ. And we awaken to the reality of our go. Go into all the world. We'll open that in a minute. So we're talking about evangelism. We're talking about soul winner. I wrote a book called Soul Winner. It's gone crazy. I love how it's gone because that shows me there's an appetite in the church. We've been doing these Soul Winner boot camps. I'll I'll let you know a little bit more about that later. But what we're basically saying in Soul Winner is we need to dare, if we're going to take our go seriously and run our best lap yet, to revisit evangelism, soul winning, dare to ask some awkward questions, have the way that we've been doing it. Does it work? It may have worked for Wesley in his time, but that's not going to help our people. Is how we're doing evangelism, perceiving evangelism, working. Come on, let's quantify it by success. Are people getting born again and becoming disciples? If there's not, let's be brave enough to say maybe we need to revisit and realize that culture and society today is different to the times of Spurgeon and Wesley. The message remains the same. But we live in now a community of people that want to ask questions. They want to talk. They want to have conversations. We need to be built and ready to be able to answer their conversations, answer their questions and not stand on a box and scream in their face. Is how we're doing soul winning working? Well, apparently there's 7.2 billion people alive in the earth at any given time. And also Google, which is the uh, author of all facts, right? Uh, (coughs) Says there's 2.2 billion Christians or people profess to be Christians. Math don't add up, does it? If there's 2.2 billion Christians living in a population of 7.2 billion people, we should all be in heaven now. This should be done. The problem is we've got too many silent saints. Silent saints who are keeping Jesus a secret. 
because they think he's a religion. And God doesn't want you to spread a religion. He wants you to tell everyone how awesome he is. So if we keep doing what we're doing, we'll keep seeing what we've seen, and that's not good enough. The world needs us. We need a shift. We need a shift in soul winning. We need a shift. And it's actually not a shift into anything we've never done before. It's a shift into what they did when Jesus first lit them up and sent them out. But we've got to see evangelism stop being stage-centric and become lifestyle in every believer. Come on, this plan will change the world. It did 2,000 years ago. Now, I'm not against stage-centric evangelism. Any evangelism that wins souls, I'm in. If it doesn't, stop it. You're wasting time and energy. But I really believe that we need to see evangelism move from the stage into the people. And discipleship move from the classroom alone into the people. People leading others to Christ. People discipling them in what just happened in their life. We could change England if enough of us give God our yes. So we need to see a shift. We need to move from a greatest showman type of evangelism. Anybody enjoy that film? Did you watch it up this end of the country? Come on, that's sometimes what evangelism's like, isn't it? Oh, evangelism, yeah, we're bringing somebody in. Not against it if it works. But that whole method of, whoa, ladies and gentlemen, the moment you're reading for. We've got to get the people lit up. Light the fire on the people for the lost and send them into the harvest. Whose job is it? That's a good question, isn't it? Come on, let's ask some honest questions today. Whose job is evangelism? Because a lot of people today would say, well, that's the leader's job. That's the pastor's job. That's the evangelist's job. (coughs) Wrong. According to Ephesians 4 verse 11, it says that the church leadership is given the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, ascension gifts, graces from God, not gifts of the Spirit, gifts given by Jesus to the church. It says that their purpose or their primary purpose, not that they can't hold meetings, prophesy, evangelize, pass to the people themselves, but their primary purpose is the equipping of the saints. Come on, who's a saint today? Who are the rest of you then? Are you still sinners? Because you're either a sinner or a saint. You choose. And actually, when you choose, that's what you'll start to live. We were once sinners. We're now saints. We're saints. And the leadership of the church is in position to equip the saints. If you're a saint, give me a wave. Praise God, we just had revival. Equip the saints for works of ministry, ergon, to do God's business on the earth. We need to come back to a moment where we're not stage-centric, asking the stage and our buildings to do things that they can't do, when those things are our responsibility. I really believe it's time for every person to say, come on, Lord, I give you my yes. Use me. Use me. See, the fields are still ripe for harvest. And in fact, they're more ripe than they've ever been. Seriously. 
If anyone was cheeky enough today to say to me, well, I don't know anyone that's lost, go to Croydon. I saw brokenness yesterday. That you're blind if you don't see it. I stayed last night in Croydon and I went for a walk, get some exercise yesterday. The fields are ripe. The fields are ripe. Listen, Jesus dealt with two things. In those verses in Luke, he dealt with the area of, you know, don't, don't say a few more months, and then John, he mentions, there's two times when he speaks about the harvest. One time he speaks and he says, don't say three or four months. The fields are ripe now. I sense Jesus saying those things again. What's that? That's procrastination. One day. No more one days. Today is the day for us to begin to take Christ to the places that he's desperately needed. But there's another verse and I think that's the one in Luke 10, verse 2, where, where he says, he says, oh, the fields are ripened to the harvest. Pray to the Father that people would be released into the harvest field. And then he says this statement, because the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. If we were to dare to use that statement today, we would be amongst the most, the most downright cheeky people walking the earth. There's 2.2 billion people that profess to be Christians. Listen, if Jesus was to say that today, I think it would be a little bit more full on. I think it would be, the fields are ripen to harvest. Go and have a look in Croydon. Go look in your own family. Go look in your own neighborhood. People need Jesus. But the workers are not few. They're lazy. They're apathetic. They're self-absorbed. They're self-focusing, self-precting. They can't be bothered. They don't even care that people go into hell because they actually don't believe it themselves. Because if they did, they'd walk across their city on their knees to lead every last person, even their enemy, to heaven. This is real. We need the Holy Spirit to blow the fairy dust off of some of our theology. We're brilliant at saying we know stuff, right? I love what Paul says in Corinthians. It's like a little, it's like a little kind of Chinese or, or a little like a kind of wise saying. He says, ah, let the person who says he knows, let him know he doesn't know as he ought. Do, 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 do. That is a word as toffee. That's worth chewing, that statement. Because we have become brilliant as Pentecostal believers of telling everyone what we believe and what we know. But what we know is actioned in the actuality of what we do. It's like when you say to Pentecostals, hey, who believes in speaking in tongues and the power of speaking in tongues? All the hands go up. Who does it every day? And there we have it, members of the jury. But it's the same when we come to soul winning. How many people believe that there's a big white throne? <laughs> How many people believe that there's a Lamb's Book of Life? How many people believe that if a person doesn't receive Christ because he heard about Christ correctly in this life, the moment they breathe their last breath, they go to an eternal separation that's so tormenting the Bible even won't go into detail about it. Into a separation that's unrepairable, they will be separated from God and love and every other good thing. Not for a few years, not for a lifetime, for all eternity and 
then another eternity, then another alternity. Listen, when the fairy dust of the reality that our friends and family could be going to a lost eternity begins to penetrate the passivity that we've been living under, suddenly we don't care looking stupid. We don't care if they reject us. We don't care if they hang up on us. We keep on going. Why? Because heaven and hell are real. They're real. They're real. And today, people are going to hell. And one of the problems is the church of Jesus Christ doesn't care. Why? Because it never shares Christ outside of the meetings. There's a move of the Spirit that's at our shores. But this one isn't about can you fall on the ground, roll, come up the stairs and down and laugh. This one is about the Holy Spirit's going to empower the church, the people, to be soul winners in their local world. Is this going okay today? Listen, I'm not a travel agent for guilt trips. I'm just telling you the truth. If we love our friends and family, they become our first mission field. It's like when I teach on this stuff in boot camps and that, I say it must be really scary, especially if you're newly saved and you hear somebody say, all right, this is what Jesus wants from you. Go into all the world. I'm talking Africa, Asia Minor, Europe, you, right now, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Yeah, it's like a rabbit caught in headlights. Where do I get started? Well, let me break that down for you. You get started with your world. You get a big bit of paper and you draw a fat circle on it. And you write in that circle the names of every person, your neighbors, your friends, your family, that you know don't know Jesus. If they were to die, they would go to a lost eternity. You write their names in that circle. That circle is the world that Jesus is calling you into. Then you stick that that bit of paper on the fridge or on the mirror, whichever one you frequent the most. And you begin to pray for those people. But then you begin to say, God, use me. Lord, I need you, Holy Ghost. If you tee this up, I need you, Holy Ghost. But remember, the Holy Spirit was given to give you ability to be a witness. Not to roll around on the floor. I like a good roll myself, but it's more than that. It's more than that. God wants to empower you to be a witness, to tell others. Well, I don't understand about preaching. No, but every one of us can communicate. What if we just despook that and say, God is saying, get a heart, give God your yes, to step into your local world, the world that's bespoke to you, your friends and family, your neighbours, the people at your gym, the people at your school gates, step in there and say, Jesus, this is my mission field and I'm going to begin to own it. No more excuses, no more copping out. This is about heaven or hell and I want all all of these people in eternity with me. So I will not stay silent. But I can't preach. You're a preacher, Andy. I can't preach. We're all preachers if we use the word communication. You see, God's sending us into our local worlds to communicate to other people how incredible Jesus is and how he saved us like no other one could. And every one of us can do that. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. One of the best dynamics of evangelism is when it becomes people telling their friends about the one they love. 
But the problem is some of us have just got to own it, right? And, and say, yeah, I'm going to stop treating Jesus like an ugly girlfriend. <laughs> you can do it the other way or ugly boyfriend. Whatever. But it's true, eh? We can be like this in church. Hosanna, Hosanna. All the moves, everything. Love you, love you, love you, love you. And then we leave a building <clears throat> and we're walking down the street and we see some friends that need to meet Jesus too. And we never tell them about him. So they can't hear, they get exposed to a religious gospel that's going to bring them into captivity. Yeah. It's our job. Now imagine if, if you were a young lady and, and, and you had this guy that was saying to you all the time, Love you. You're beautiful. When you're alone, you're beautiful. Loving you is easy because you're beautiful. And your eyes, your eyes. And you're like, oh. <laughs> and then he walks you home. And some of his friends come around the corner. And he shoves you in a bush. <laughs> I wasn't going to preach any of this today. You guys are dragging this out of me today. <laughs> you shove him in a bush. And his friends go, weren't you with someone? Well, me, no, 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 no. Just on my own hand. Oh, by myself. <laughs> and then they disappear and suddenly he reaches in and pulls you out of the bush. And begins to dust you down. I'm sorry, it's a nervous reaction. <laughs> he may get away with that once. <laughs> but if he does that a second time and you put up with it, you need help. You need help. Come on, we've all done that with Jesus, haven't we? We've been one thing with him in the building. I went out with your pastor last night. We had some food and the catch-up. And it was only a matter of minutes before Sharon appeared in the conversation and the children. And for me, Gina suddenly... I wasn't sitting there going... I've been with Julian for 20 minutes. Oh, God, I better talk about Gina. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because who she is in my life means she has an entrance into every conversation I have. It's not forced. It's never forced. It's not like, oh, 20 minutes. Oh, it is Gina. And that's how we shouldn't be with Jesus. He should be a natural expression of everything we are, unashamed. We lay down our passivity. We lay down our embarrassment. We lay down our fear of being rejected, being mocked, because we understand what's on the table. If they don't hear, if they don't hear, if a preacher isn't sent, that's you, and somebody doesn't go and somebody doesn't speak, then somebody doesn't know and somebody can't be saved. It's time to pack away our COVID slippers. Get on the racetrack. Not run aimlessly, but say, this is now about mission. Jesus is coming soon. Yeah. Apparently, I read a report the other day that even the earth isn't working now. It doesn't, apparently, we've, we've trashed the earth. How can you trash soil? We managed. Jesus is coming soon. And it's not a fairy tale. One day, without warning, the sky will crack. And he will return, and those that belong to him will go with him. And some that don't, those that don't, 
will be in an eternity of separation. If that doesn't make you want to ring someone this afternoon, if that doesn't make you want to go and talk to someone in the street. Now again, you know, when we teach our boot camps, I'm saying some of the methods we used, we don't have to use them anymore. They don't work. I was taught the one-stop shop for evangelism was this. You went up to a complete stranger and you said, do you know where you're going to go if you die tonight? That's just not friendly, is it? <clears throat> now, I use that in hospitals when somebody's dying. Absolutely. I walked, into one, I walked into a hospital about four or five months ago, and it was my uncle, and I walked in. He'd been resisting the Lord for years. And I walked in, and the nurse had told me, she's in my church, this guy ain't got long. He's not going to make the night, Andy. So I walked in. Talk about nice pastoral bedside manner. <clears throat> I walked in. I said, you see me? You know me? And he's nodding. I said, do you want to go to hell or do you want the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in your life right now? And, and he started to nod. I said, I'm going to pray a prayer. You can't speak, but nod to let me know you know what's going on. And he nodded. I said, I'm praying. And I, and, and I said, amen. And he began to cry. <clears throat> and so I thought, well, I might as well get him filled with the Holy Spirit, even if he's going home tonight. It's my mandate. So I prayed for him be filled with the Holy Spirit. They released him and he lived another six months. <laughs> Surprised me. They rang me up. They rang me up and they said, he's just left hospital. <laughs> yeah, you won't forget our conversation in a hurry. <laughs> but you know, when you're talking to a waiter, when you're talking to someone on the street, there's other ways of doing evangelism like, hey, can I ask you a question? Who do you think Jesus was? I've asked that to hundreds of people, never had an aggressive answer. Always had an incredible conversation. Come on, if it's not working, let's stop doing it. But let's come back to mission. Your best lap, City Gate, is found in the mission of God, of reaching the lost, not only in buildings on stages with the greatest showman. Whoa! I love that, I love that. Ladies and gentlemen, the moment you're waiting for. I'm back. I'm back now. You're okay. You're safe. I'm back. What fires me up is what if we change what we're doing and we get every follower of Jesus excited and knowing how to share the gospel. And then we say, come on, our Sundays from now are going to be times of celebration where we clap as you're bringing in your neighbor my vision for the church is suddenly I'm walking through the car park and someone says, over here, Andy. And I come over, they say, let me introduce you. Now, the person that always came the last 400 years with an empty car suddenly says to me, oh, I've got to introduce you to Betty and Karen. Led them to Jesus this week. Discipling them now. Letting them know what happened. And then suddenly, Billy No Mates has suddenly got loads of mates because he's led them to Jesus. And they're coming through. And suddenly, our role as church leadership is now equipping and not motivational. You see, the gifts of God that God gives to the church, they're to lead you, not drag you. But again, I loved your praise and worship today. I was there. I was gone. But you go to some churches, seriously, they've made the worship leader like um, an exercise guru that's got to actually convince people to worship Jesus. Seriously, they come ripping out and they're like, come on, everyone. We know you don't want to. Praise him. Come on. Let your right arm go. <coughs> let your right arm go. With the left. With the left. With the left. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. 
And by the last song, that's garbage. Evangelists aren't here to get everybody saved. They're here to teach you how to do it. Pastors are here to teach you how to love people. Teachers are here to teach you how to teach the word. Prophets are here to teach you how to prophesy and have a prophetic edge. Yes, there's an office and an ascension gift. But let's come back to the mandate. They're here to get us busy about the Lord's business. So the Bible says, time's really going slow today. I'm loving this. <laughs> do, 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 do. Normally I'm preaching, I'm like, oh no, God, get enough, 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 enough. It's like watching a horse race. I'm like, do, 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 do. Loads of time. See, we've got to understand that the fields are ripe. God's calling us into our world, and we need to give him our yes. He'll do the rest. See, your local world is your Jerusalem. When you read the Bible again, when Holy Spirit's being promised, it says, and you will receive power, ability, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be witnesses. You will bear witness of me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. Again, I talk to Christians, they're like, what, I've got to get on a plane to go to Israel? <laughs> oh, how, must, how long must I bear with you? No, no, Jesus is saying, think about that in the context of your world. But we all have a Jerusalem. That's our mum, our dad, our auntie, our cousins, our uncles, our neighbours, the people at the school gate. We all have a Judea, Samaria, Croydon. Croydon. Seriously. I walked around there yesterday, I was like, I'm not in Kansas now, Toto. The need, the brokenness, people screaming at each other because they don't know what to do next. We can't stay hidden away anymore. So where does it start with us? I believe it starts with giving God our yes. He'll do the rest. He said he'll give us power and ability to do. But this is what we want to do. We want to say, Lord, givey, givey. Then I'll goey, goey. And doey, doey. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. He says, you goey, goey. Doey, doey. And I givey, givey. It's when we step out and we open our mouth. Suddenly we hear things we never came to the party with. We feel an adrenaline, an anointing to do. There's a conversation that took place in heaven that a man overheard, his name was Isaiah, or Isaiah, depending which country you're from. <clears throat> and it says that Isaiah was on the earth, he was in this realm, yet he was in a place of worship and a place with God where he was also hearing what was going on in heaven. I know that's kind of strange, but we understand there's more than this realm, right? And we don't fully understand this moment, but we see Isaiah, and he's in this realm. His feet are on the earth, but also he's hearing a conversation in heaven. And the Godhead is talking to itself. And it's saying, who can we send? Who will go for us? Who will commission with us? And it says the prophet obviously knows his own condition and says, well, I'm here if you want to use it. Here I am. 
send me. That's all God needs from us today. Now, obviously, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, I'm commissioning you to do something that you need to do in a few minutes when you've prayed and invited Jesus, get straight busy with it. Some of my best soul winners are people that have been saved 26 minutes. They're fanatical. It's only then the church calms them down. I remember when I first got saved, I had this whopping big sticker, New Life in Jesus. My Bible, boom. And then I calmed down. But then the Holy Spirit hit me and I uncalmed down. People need the Lord. So we're going to pray two prayers ever so quickly. Number one, we're going to give an opportunity to anyone that's never yet received Jesus. Just to pray a prayer, start a journey, press go. And the team will explain to you straight after the service what you need to do to take those next steps. But would you close your eyes with me just for a moment and just pray this simple prayer. Very simple. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me and as me. Thank you for a new beginning. I receive your gift of salvation. Amen. Okay, keep your eyes closed, heads bowed. If you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer, or you've been away from God, you don't know if you're born again or saved or not, I want to invite you just to, in a few moments when I count to three, just lift your hand. If that's you, start a journey. Restart a journey. One, two, three. Is there anyone? Everybody know they belong to Jesus? God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? God bless you. Hey, thanks, mate. That's awesome. See that hand there? Is there a third person you go, me too? Come on, what have you got to lose? You've got nothing to lose. You've got everything to gain. One prayer could change everything. Father, I thank you for your blessing upon these two, upon this lady uh, and upon this man. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for heaven to fall upon them. Holy Spirit, just burst into the room of their life. Open the windows and let your life, your kingdom life, blow on through. My second prayer is for those who are saints, believers. If you're here today and you say, I know I need to take my place on the racetrack. I have fears, I have apprehensions, but I know that I need to get on the racetrack because this world needs me. I want to pray a prayer over you ever so quickly. If that's you and you say, God, I'll give you my yes, I want you to stand to your feet right now. I want you to stand to your feet. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look behind you. If you're ready, you say, God, you know what I can do, but and you know what I can't do. You know my world. You know my Jerusalem. God, I'm ready to speak. I'm ready to represent you. I'm ready to take the good news of your saving gospel into the world that's unique to me. Come on, other people, think about it. Make a decision. If you want God to use you, stand to your feet. If you don't, stay seated. It's fine. Be honest. God loves an honest heart. I'm going to count to three, then I'm going to pray, so don't take long. One two, three. Ladies and gentlemen, there's an army on its feet. Ladies and gentlemen, there's an army on its feet. This area does not stand a chance. Father, I thank you for every person standing right now in this room and their prayer is, here I am, send me. 
Lord, you know what they can do and what they can't. You know their confidence, introvert, extrovert. You know everything about them. And you can tee them up with appointments that are perfect for them. Father, I break the power of passivity, silence, fear off of people's lives right now. And I say, let the gospel of Jesus Christ land in you in a fresh way. Let a love for Christ explode within you that you have trouble shutting up, not getting started. You, you have a fire within your bones that even when you said you wouldn't speak, woe is you, you cannot help yourself. Open our eyes, Jesus, to see the need. Open our hearts. Let us hurt for what hurts you. Let our hearts hurt for what hurts you. God, we want to be your arms and your feet and your voice. Lord, I pray today that people will be led to Jesus through an army of soul winners. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you, City Gate.